-hmm. what made sense for me was summer was just having to embrace the nasty things about it. The Mm -hmm. things I've never liked the getting bug bites, being surrounded by mosquitoes when you're out in the woods, the sweat, the, the, the bad smells coming off your kids because they've just been playing and they're red faced and sweaty and they just stink to high heaven. And, um, you know, the, uh, the having to like navigate, like what days are too hot to, for let the kids go play outside, having to drink water and just like leaning into all of it is where I found like eventually that got back to like for the first time in my entire life I'm like oh wow I really like summer is this is life like this is this is it this is the all of nature's giving at its best right Mm -hmm. now this is like the climax of life because everything is just bursting full of life and I have been a really big fan of winter up until that point so having this switch and just leaning into that stuff Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, designing your intentional life, homesteading, gardening, and rediscovering culture and tradition. Are you thriving this summer? Join the Thriving Community Telegram group where we share our real world successes and failures on homesteading, gardening, and designing your intentional life. This week on the Telegram group, we talk about Grant getting produce from the grocery store and using it for his chickens, Perpend creating a knife blade and a handle from scratch. And we also talk about what's the true definition of homesteading. So as conglomerates adopt regenerative ag and start to greenwash that term, how far off is homesteading and what does it really mean when everybody is redefining homesteading to someone who may have a growing peppers on their balcony. So those are the kind of conversations we have on the Telegram group. Come and join us at signup.thriveinthefuture.com. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week we have Andrew Funk from the Royal Path Podcast with us. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, thank you for having me. Sure. So one of the things we thought was would be a good icebreaker question is uh, how do you come up with the icebreaker questions on, on the podcast? They always <laughs> stand out and you get a lot of engagement on them. I will go through probably about 20 of them throughout the week. Just randomly, they'll just pop into my head and be like, is that a good one? No, that's not a good one. And as the audience has gotten bigger, I try to do more inclusive questions. At first, I would sometimes ask Father and Cyprian about comic books, Mm -hmm. uh, which we both at various times in our life have been into. Um, So we can usually get a little bit of dialogue there about what's your favorite Batman villain or what's your favorite costume. But as we've gotten bigger... I've understood that more and more people are probably not going to be into that as much. So lately, uh, some pointed out in a recent comment that I talk a lot about food. I think food is a good one. (laughs) So um, I usually just try and find some like little nugget that I think would be like, I don't drink anymore, but like if I were drinking with some buddies, what would be a good conversation? Like Mm -hmm. what, what was something that could even spark up some lively debate? So usually that's what I try to do. And they're not always good. They're not always good. Sometimes they are dead on arrival and I really have to push it. And we end up talking about something different. So, yeah, you don't give them a heads up usually beforehand, right? I tried to, and it came across as inorganic when I did. I ever, I actually like before recording one time, I told Cyprian and father, okay, this is the question. And I, I think it really threw off the chemistry. So I don't do it anymore. So, mm-hmm. 
usually I just try and have it off the cuff and organic. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I like the food ones when you ask them a question and they start riffing on some Southern California restaurant and then they get all nostalgic and stuff. It's, it's funny. (laughs) Sometimes I do that because I'm just like, guys, this is going to be what it's going to be. It's fine. You know, uh, I, uh, I've never been to California. I don't plan on going. (laughs) And so usually if that stuff kind of comes up, it's cool because I usually have some other stuff to think about anyway. So I'm like planning my next Costco run or something like that while they're talking about stuff. So I just kind of kick back and like, who would win in a fight? Dr. Doom or the Silver Surfer? That's (laughs) usually when like I start to kind of fade out. That's usually what comes to mind. So yeah, that's neat. Yeah, so you get a lot of uh, folks during the week that comment on your, walk up to you and comment on it and everything like that, right? People from my parish, people who know me personally, I think if something sticks out to them, they'll come up and talk to me a little bit about it. But generally speaking, um, kind of not really. I have a couple of buddies that will message me their answers. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who kind of, you know, sent me like a three part text on his interaction with gas station food this last <laughs> week. And he, yeah, he kind of <laughs> talked about the places he liked going growing up and who has the best donuts and <sighs> the best pizza and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but generally speaking, uh, to be real, I usually get pretty uncomfortable when people talk to me about the podcast because I don't really know what to say. And there's this dynamic that's come up. I am by no means like, um, uh, like famous, not like, not (laughs) at all. That's not, but enough people listen when they come and talk to me about something they've expressed to me. They're like, I feel so close to you. I feel like I know you so well. And it's very weird that it's like a one way thing because I don't really know them at all. I want to get to know them. I have no problem getting to know them, but a lot of times my main emotion when someone comes up and tries to talk to me about it, other than like that opening question where we riff about whatever Southern California food or whatever fast food we like, other than that, I tend to get pretty uncomfortable because I like, I don't really know what to say because they'll sometimes praise is involved and I'm just like, well, thank you. That's very nice of you. It's very kind of you and stuff. And then Usually I was kind of like, well, glad you like it. You know, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad it's helping. It's mainly just a platform for father to talk. So I don't get too big ahead about anything. I think I just happen to be a good everyday Joe to like be able to kind of bring some of father stuff who he's already very good at bringing it from here down to here. He's excellent at that. But sometimes he needs it from here down to here. And then that's where I come in. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So everybody check out the Royal Path podcast on YouTube. It's really great. We we like listening to it as well. First, give a little bit of background, a little bit more about yourself. Uh, Sure. So I've been Orthodox coming up on this March. It'll be 10 years. So like nine and a half years, something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And I'm from Missouri and I'm married got a mess of kids and i i don't really have um you know any kind of like formal theological training or anything like that which is i think one of the reasons why 
it works so well between father and I is because a lot of times we've missed recording sessions for whatever reason. And I realize how much I benefit from just having to sit and listen to him talk, my spiritual father talk for two hours. Right. And having to like process it and keep up with it because I have to ask questions. I have to stay engaged. I can't zone out. I can't really get on my phone, you know, so having to just sit there with that is actually enormously beneficial for me. Um, but you know, it, in Missouri being hot, I like it now, but another one of those things is kind of being brought back to life is having to like realize that, you know, through the church and through Christ, you know, and being baptized into the Orthodox church and taking part in the sacraments, um, it's life at its fullest. Mm -hmm. It doesn't offer really any distraction for you. Um, other than like the promise of a reward like uh, is if you can do this if you can if you can stick to it the day in and the day out it's not it's there it'll be beneficial it's not the day in and the day out for the sake of the day in and the day out it's it's you know it's very much like you are establishing a pattern for eternity like mm -hmm. this, the things that you're doing to your soul and are having done to your soul and letting God do to your soul is establishing a pattern that will continue for eternity. So, um, you know, so no pressure, you know, so, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult. So let's uh, dive into the episode for this week. What we were thinking about talking about is life in the ordinary. We're right in the middle of the dog days of summer. You know, it's like, are you for real or are you going through the motions at this point? Every day is like a reflection of the day before and to use a obscure eighties Kansas lyric, but yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just like the, the weatherman doesn't have any trouble predicting the weather because it's hot every day. And it's just, I, I lose track of what day it is in July because they're all the same. So, but one of the things that Purple and I were talking about is just embracing that. I don't remember what episode it was. You were talking about the mundane and embracing that hot weather this summer, right? And mm. really getting in touch with that. And that's kind of what started my and Scott's conversation. But as I thought about that for the next few weeks, it was like, yeah, in liturgy, there are points where it starts to feel humdrum. And then all of a sudden it just like opens up and all of those humdrum or mundane ordinary things are where you actually touch life. Like sitting, watching Dora the Explorer episode for the 10th time with the kid. And then it's like, well, I'm not watching that and I'm not watching. And then I'm watching the kid watch and learn. Right. And it's like this moment is completely useless in a lot of ways, but it's actually also the most rich and connecting i i think that is what one of the great lies of the world is is um again just a, a little bit more like a, a peek at andrew is that um i work in recovery i work with people who are recovering from drug and alcohol abuse and um, one of the things that I have to tell them is that you are returning back to mundanity. 
you're returning back to the day in and the day out. The thing you've avoided for so long, that's the ground you have to go back to. And the reason why it's going to be more difficult for you is because you've played in the realm of emotions that nobody was meant to play in. You ingested substances like I did that took you to highs and lows no human being was really meant for. It's very difficult to come back to that mundanity and to have to actually trudge through the day in and the day out in like, like you're saying, like find the like not only like i guess like the beauty but like the benefit and the holiness in like the day-to-day actions of living life that's ultimately like the desired goal is because if you read the lives of the saints yeah they're praying and floating off the ground and stuff like that but you know they're 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 reciting the Psalter by heart. They're meeting with people and healing them and reading their minds and stuff like that uh, and reading the people's minds and answering questions that people never asked, but they wanted to ask, you know, like that kind of crazy stuff. But that's after years of mundanity. That's after years of doing the work, being obedient, reading scripture, you know, nothing happened for a really long time. Most of the time. Most of the time, I would say Mm -hmm. most of the time. And when I find myself, and I often do find myself in this place of it's becoming repetitive, and I'm going through this right now, where it's, it's, you know, it was a particularly long weekend with church. And it's like when it starts to become mundane, when I start getting irritated, when I'm like, okay, let's, let's be done. Let's be done. Father, give the blessing. Father, give the blessing. Let's get out of here. Let's be done. Later on, when the kids have gone to bed, I I really, well, this is an opportunity for me to kind of go deeper for me to go like to the next level down. And oftentimes I really resent being called to the next level down because it means things are going to be harder and I have to embrace mundanity even more, which is something I find difficult. So yeah, the only I'll end with, I know I'm going on, but I'll end with like, What made sense for me with summer, this conversation that you guys are referencing here, Mm -hmm. what made sense for me with summer was just having to embrace the nasty things about it. The Mm -hmm. things I've never liked, the getting bug bites, being surrounded by mosquitoes when you're out in the woods, the sweat, the the, the bad smells coming off your kids because they've just been playing, they're red faced and sweaty and they just stink to high heaven. The having to like navigate like, what days are too hot to for let the kids go play outside, having to drink water and just like leaning into all of it is where I found like eventually that got back to like for the first time in my entire life. I'm like, oh, wow, I really like summer is this is life like this is this is it. This is the all of nature's giving at its best right mm-hmm. now. This is like the climax of life because everything is just bursting full of life and I have been a really big fan of winter up until that point. So having this switch and just leaning into that stuff, you know, it's a spiritual lesson, having to lean into the uncomfort, trusting that God wants me to be feeling the way that I'm feeling about this stuff, the tiredness in my legs, the bug bites. Yeah. It's, it's learning not to look for the things to complain about. Oh, yes. Because when you're complaining about the sweat and the smell, it's like, worse and worse and worse and when you just go this is the way it's going to be and i'm going to look for something to 
like about it, it yeah. starts getting better. But it's hard to do. I, I hate doing it. And right. I think it's also a... being present, right? So it's it's instead of I spend a lot of time saying, Oh, I wish it was fall. Oh, I wish, you know, I can't wait till September. I can't wait till October. And one of the lessons that I've been dealing with this summer is that be present, right? Instead of wishing your life away, right? And and always looking to tomorrow instead of em- embracing today, right? Yeah. I think it's Metropolitan Anthony Bloom on his book, Beginning to Pray, which in light of my repentance i haven't read in a while but i think i still like that book like Mm -hmm. i think i still do but there's a part where he talks about and i think it's this book i hope i'm not misquoting but a person who's like through like his will trying to get something to move faster you know like a service Mm -hmm. or like an annoying like graduation ceremony or like whatever like obligation you're having to sit through that's really testing your patience by getting yourself all worked up and wishing it was over and getting all angry is like you, a person running to the front of a bus mm. and then back and then running back up to the front again, hoping that will get them to like their destination faster. Like <laughs> while it's, it's like, going down the street, you mean while it's going down <laughs> yeah. the street. Yeah. So it's like, you still have three more blocks to go before you're stopped, but you're running to the front of the bus, hoping, hoping that will get you there sooner. And it doesn't really make sense. And it just gets us all agitated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's hard because, you know, so much of our life can be dictated, especially as Americans, especially in the year 2023 can be dictated to our whims. And it's the, yes. ins- the insanity lies in expecting that to be everything and getting extremely frustrated when it's not that way. And one of the things that father said for me that, was one of those Christ-like moments of the right key went in the right lock and it turned and a bunch of stuff came off at once. A whole bunch of stuff was interlinked. Um, Was a common trait among all people he's worked with who have quote-unquote like poor mental health Uh is this tendency to externalize all of their problems. If this would just be different, Uh if this person would just be different, if this thing would just be different, this this problem that's making me insane rather than looking in and looking to change your inner self to be okay with that thing that's happening you know what i mean you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so it's it's um yeah it's but it's challenging it's very challenging so it's hard to give up the selfishness in a culture of selfish it's selfish and pride it encourages you. I've always wondered what totalitarianism we were going to land at. And it seems like right now it's leaning a bit more towards brave new world um, <laughs> rather than 1984. Um, it's still a toss up. We could still land on either one, but it looks like it's a bit more like brave new world right now. So um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. And, I'm not sure I would really recommend everybody go check it out necessarily because there's there's a message behind it that I'm not 100% about anymore. But there's this really interesting video called This is Water Hmm. by uh, an author, David Foster Wallace, who did commit suicide. 
in 2008, so take it for what it is, but he was this really poignant author. And in this video, it's a college commencement speech. And if you do check it out, if your listeners do check it out, go for the 22 minute long one. It, it's worth it. But basically, he talks about the day in and the day out. And you graduates have no idea what day in and day out really means. You guys have no idea what it's like to be doing the same thing over and over and over again for years and years and years and years. And one of the things he talks about is um, just imagine that you have to wake up and go to work. And then on your way home from work, you all you want to do is go home and eat food and go to bed because you have to do it all again the next day. But then you remember you have no groceries. So you have to stop at the grocery store and you get the one cart that pulls maddening mm -hmm. like to the left. You have to go all over the store and there's only one clerk working despite it being the end of the day and this being like one of the busiest times of grocery stores, blah, blah, blah. And he talks about there's a lady at the front who's arguing with the cashier about a coupon that's expired, right? And he talks about how horribly frustrating and unjust this is and how it's not fair that you have to be stuck in this situation. He's like, but what I like about these moments is this chance to get out of what he calls, um, oh, what does he call it? The default setting. He calls it the default setting of a of just a, a million of little assumptions throughout the day that the world revolves around you mm -hmm. and your mm -hmm. needs. And we're just accepting this mm -hmm. all the time without even realizing it. The simple fact of the matter is he, what he says is perhaps you can entertain the notion that these people waiting in line with you have much more difficult lives than you do. And they're not just things in your way. They're not just props in some movie. Actually, in fact, um, maybe the lady at the front who's arguing with the coupon lady is so grumpy and just yelled at her kid because she's been up for the last three nights with her husband who's dying of cancer. Like, and um, maybe the car that cuts you off in traffic, the big stupid SUV or whatever, maybe the reason they have an SUV is because they got in a car accident five years ago and they have to drive this giant SUV to feel safe. It doesn't really matter if this stuff is true or mm -hmm. not. What matters is you're now controlling the thoughts that are going into your head. You're now starting to pay more attention to what's going on. And it's like actually brings this life in this like work and discipline to the everyday mundanity and it's like it's a really interesting video and he kind of goes into stuff about you need a god and this is where he kind of gets shaky because he talks about just pick a god it doesn't matter what god it is but it has to be bigger than you it's like okay that's not a hundred percent or even close to a hundred percent but he brings up a point that you know people who worship their beauty there is no such thing as not worshiping Mm -hmm. At all times, you are worshiping something. If it's your beauty, you will never feel pretty enough. If it's your intellect, you will never feel smart enough. If it's your bravado, you will never like feel charismatic enough. And at the end of the day, you need something bigger than you. It's it's a pretty interesting video. And I think an Orthodox Christian who has the proper context could really contextualize a lot, a lot of that stuff in a way that would kind of be applicable mm -hmm. to, you know, to making sure that you don't go insane throughout the day. That's great, especially dealing with other people. And then perhaps that person that you're dealing with is you're entertaining angels unaware or something, right? Like it says, did you give that person even a smile, <laughs> right? Mm. 
not not to mention the the folks that have deed or or whatever else as in addition to that so yeah absolutely that's a whole other layer you can add to that whole conversation in your head Mm -hmm. is you don't know which one of these people might really be like a big part of your salvation right yeah one of the one of the things i saw as i started going more towards the liturgical tradition um was the roman catholics in their liturgical calendar have the period in between pentecost and and christmas time is uh called ordinary time you know we mm. have other feasts and fasts and stuff in there but they call it ordinary time and i thought it was i thought that was interesting oh so this is just like ordinary time so this middle of the summertime is is ordinary time hmm and uh hmm. i didn't become catholic but you know <laughs> well, i mean it's interesting i've not heard that before i know next to nothing about catholicism though so yeah it was it was in like one of those i i think it also overlaps somewhat with the book of common prayer and all that right okay so okay. i think they had that in there as well because like the anglicans and stuff are you know came from catholicism so sure. i just i just thought that was interesting that this whole period in here is ordinary time now orthodox have all kinds of fasts and feasts in there and you know it never really downshifts or whatever (laughs) it does not it does not we're always prepping for the next thing which is good we need that god knows what he's doing the church in her wisdom knows what she's doing and Mm -hmm. we need that i need to be able to be working towards something some season is getting ready to come up and as i get more and more into the faith the more and more i know what those seasons feel like and just the the downshift of vespers i really like vespers with the candles and and everything because it's just such a downshift just like a security blanket right in Mm. vespers time when when the lights are down and the and the candles are on so beautiful absolutely fantastic yep yeah i mean again the church and her wisdom knows Mm -hmm. i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off that's fine. I was thinking about uh, the last trip to the monastery. Uh, monastery. I read uh, The Little Prince, read the pop-up book version, but I was reading that. It was talking about the fox comes to him and says, you need to tame me so that the the color of the wheat will have meaning for me because it's the color of your hair. And the little prince says, well, how do I tame you? And he says, you have to follow rights. And you have to show up every day at a certain time. And then I start anticipating it earlier and earlier. And I come and that we, we tend to rush over the rights, right? We don't introduce each other anymore. We don't ask about people's family, their history sure. and all that. And we skip all that. And we're not doing that. But with matins and liturgy and vespers, it's like attending those as much as possible. It's like you're entering into those rites and you are being tamed and balanced and the same with the feasts and the fast right back and forth back and forth in and out and then these times in between right and it's a moderating force that makes sitting in the ordinary easier Uh, or just sitting without talking because i mean the number of people that can't sit with someone sharing right and just listen is it's not happening it's and it's something that's quickly falling out of style mm-hmm. yeah but, yeah 
and and we call them rights and services and things. It's very interesting corollary there. I can't think of a state. It just seems like most people are agitated and I'll watch like videos on YouTube of just, you know, just funny stuff, you know, or whatever. And I'll catch the little glimpses through. It's like, and I don't even mean to be that guy because I'm not even that old, but like nobody knows how to have a conversation anymore. There is no give and take. Everyone's just kind of waiting for their turn to talk. And it just turns into this whole like, especially with the younger you go, the younger you go, they kind of their eyes glaze over until it's their turn to talk again. And then they come back and they don't really talk about the things you just talked about. Mm -hmm. They kind of just like want to talk about the thing that they're interested in. So there is no give, there is no take. There's nothing that's just, everyone's to talk about the thing that they want to talk about all the time. And it's, but it keeps people in a state of self-centered agitation all the time. And the minute people wake up on the phone and they don't have, you know, any kind of structure, you know, any kind of like orthodox, you know, structure, any kind of relationship with God, the very first thing they do is they get on their phone and they generally stay on their phone most of the day. And um, to go back to something that you said not too long ago, um, I believe it was Scott, I think um, that there's a correlation I have between the amounts that people complain is uh, there's like this like, um, Oh, I don't know what kind of graph it is. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's this correlation to how much you are complaining is equal to how much you have the right to complain, quote unquote, like the right to complain. And more often mm -hmm. than not, the more a person is complaining about how tired they are, about how stressed out they are, how unhappy they are, the less they have to complain about. Mm. Like generally speaking, they have a good house, a good job. They have a lot of things to be grateful for. I'm not sure I'm saying this clearly. What I'm trying to say is the more a person complains, as I talk to them more and more, I'm like, your problem is you don't have enough problems. Mm. Like you need some real meat and potato problems. Right. Like you need some like, like maybe a pretty major illness or something. Like you need something to kind of really hit you down because as it stands now, I'm not really interested in like your postmodern ennui, like, you <laughs> know, that you're feeling it doesn't really do anything for me. And like, you can sit there and talk about how bad your parents messed you up or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, I'm still thinking of like, you know, the person I talked to who witnessed like their child getting murdered or something like that and how they don't complain. They have like no time to, right. they're constantly working. If they're handling it correctly, they're constantly working forward. They have mm -hmm. to keep their guards up at all time because they know how dark it can get. So, yeah. And to complain actually hurts them. I mean, because they, they have to go through it and relive it, right? And so they don't. Yeah. And the, and the jarring nature of complaining, the jarring, like, the... I don't know. I quickly like lose words because I start getting into how I feel, but it's like, it's just so spiky. It just is so spiky. When you complain inside, it feels like you like swallowed a cactus or something. It's just like, it hurts. It's weird. It doesn't sit right. When you sit and complain against circumstances, mm -hmm. when you grumble, it's mm -hmm. just, it's hard. I do it still. Don't get me wrong. Like I still like 
really like okay sure okay so yeah glory to god for all things i understand let's move forward bear the cross let's move forward but it's it's just only because i've complained so much and i just know what it's like on the other side of it it's just it's rough it's really really rough so and it's um it's a dead end it doesn't go anywhere yeah it's like like father says several times on on the podcast is that uh a lot of depression actually comes from pride it's like why is this happening to me this shouldn't happen to me and everything yeah. else not to discount you know the other stuff but uh but a lot of it and i mean you know i have the same i have the same problem it's like come on why is this happening to me yeah <laughs> it shouldn't happen to me and then it's like okay so you think you're better than that what you know <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah and i mean stuff it's that it's that mundanity i mean to bring it back to that i mean like it, it's it, it's like i mean sure you can use the argument like i didn't sign up for this okay sure whatever you know <laughs> i didn't sign up for this life okay sure you know but also like it, people can't handle this and maybe i talked about this before i'm not sure but people can't handle like they're like oh what did christ do you know in the time where i mentions like him like there's all these years missing out of the Bible. And it's like, what did Christ do? He's like, maybe he went to India and all this different kind of stuff. It's like, <laughs> no, it says what he did. You just don't like the answer. He worked and grew and became a good man and took care of his mother. That's what he did the day in and the day out. He worked. He was a carpenter. He did not make a ton of money. He like, he just was obedient to his mother he went about his work and he did the mundane things of life. He made food. He cleaned up the house. He took care of people around him. He got his work done. He rose early. But people don't like that answer because it's reflective of like what we're called to do, which is just hang out in the waiting room for the 60, 70 years that you're here. Just hang out. It's like it's really next to nothing. And the long scheme of things. And, you know, I, I know. Um, oh, it was her feast day yesterday. I can never remember. St. Euf Euphemia. Euphemia. Yeah. She said, if I knew what was wait, if I knew one millionth of what was waiting for me, I would have suffered one million or something like that, like 10,000 more. The sufferings I endured, I would have endured 10,000 times worse. If I knew one one millionth of what I was to receive. I would have done I would have done much more. And, and you know, um, Elder Ephraim of Arizona writes this uh chapter on sickness and suffering. And he said, There when you get to heaven, you will have wished you suffered more mm. when you see how God is able to glorify it. And mundanity is 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 its own, I guess, off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a teaching about this, or maybe not, but mundanity is its own form of asceticism, that constant denial of needing to be like entertained and stimulated sure yeah and it even says on the orthodox one of the prayers on the orthodox prayer book is uh is help orthodox to struggle mm. and it's like not mm. to get through struggle not to avoid struggle not to you know just to struggle and it's like wait a minute <laughs> it's so that blew my mind romantic it's yeah. so unromantic it is you know, like, uh, and again, coming into orthodoxy, I had just come off of a 
time where I was really into psychedelics, like mm -hmm. magic mushrooms and acid and stuff. And that stuff is so um, entertaining. It gives you such like, like it's like a um, really, really well done action movie where it gives you, it's, it's like, it's stimulating you in all these ways. And there's these really powerful emotions and experiences and feelings that you're feeling from these things. And you're, oh, you're so spiritual and you're feeling it. But the problem is, is like, one, maintaining those feelings and those like, quote unquote, truths that you received while under the influence of magic mushrooms, which, you know, 90% of that stuff I've had to really throw out, you know, in my time in asceticism or asceticism and orthodoxy in, uh, it's it's very hard to maintain that state and and if you don't maintain the state of having just you know gone through a trip or whatever then you kind of just revert back to this like kind of ego ego driven dude that ends up like kind of being like insufferable to be around mm -hmm. and orthodoxy ends up like in this place of like no there is no action movie this is again just the day-to-day -day existence. This is just the mundanity. This is just you waking up for the millionth time, whatever. You know, not actually literally the millionth time. You know, after this, I'll, I'll I'll kind of try and calm down a little bit. But it's that time of night where things are a little thing for me. So there's a part. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it in Star Wars: um, The Force Awakens. Uh, where a character, the main character is waiting and you don't know what she's waiting for. You just get introduced to her. You see her do a job and she turns that in, turns in the food or turns in the work that she did and she gets food and goes back to her house. And you see her making food, doing all the stuff and she eats. And then at a certain point, she makes like a little tally mark on a wall. And on that wall, you can see just tons and tons of tally marks. Mm -hmm. She's been there for like a long time. And that's an image that's always been really comforting to me. It's just like, okay, just one more day. Like I'm waiting, you know, this is the waiting room. And luckily this is the waiting room in the, like the working room too. So, yeah. Wow. Mm. That's great. I think waiting so. is hard. Waiting, waiting is really hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's yeah. also conversations, right? Not waiting, not paying attention, being present in the conversation. And that, I don't know, I need to get better at both. Yeah, we you, all were, do. You, were, you were saying yeah. that you have conversations with people and they're not really listening. They're trying to think of what they're going to say next, right? I was talking with a friend of mine who plays guitar out at... Uh, out at bars and stuff like that and uh or at open mic nights or things like that and he says you're playing and and nobody's clapping or anything they're they're glued to their phone uh, and and it's like yeah i mean <laughs> you're just background music to them dude yeah yeah and that that also gets into um i think one of the or one of the ways that conversation used to work was that there was this this need to be uncomfortable and not to be able to resort back to like your own world. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you kind of had no choice. 
you were stuck on this train or this ferry with this person, or you were stuck in this office or this school or whatever with this person. It's hot. There's no air conditioning. This is the way things used to be, you know, 100 years ago, whatever. It's hot. There is no air conditioning. You're probably in an uncomfortable kind of suit thing, um, which I I deeply admire. I'm really into this whole thing right now of like seeing people wear like nice suits in really hot weather and they're just sweating, but it doesn't matter. Like they're good. Like I'm just like, that is on point. Like I really like that. And um, there's no like escape into to retreat back to your little comfortable world, right? Now we have that anytime it's, it's, it's amazing to me. I get my feelings hurt, how like almost instinctively, if I'm having a conversation, my feelings get hurt. It's almost like instinctive. It's like muscle memory that I reach from my phone Hmm. to get back to my little world, my little like newsfeed, my little like Tumblr, my music, my YouTube algorithm and find something that'll make me feel better. And with that comes this, like, I don't need to care about your thing anymore. I have my thing. Mm-hmm. So if someone's good at guitar and that makes someone uncomfortable because they're like not good at guitar, then you just find something in your little world to lord over them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like the type of person that's like, yeah, I've been really practicing guitar a lot, kind of getting into the groove a little bit. It's like, mm, yeah, well, yeah, I'm learning French. I'm learning French, you know. I'm, I've, I got I got Duolingo like you know downloaded on my phone. I'm I'm learning French, you know. It's like this like weird. People are not able to like acquiesce things to each other anymore. Mm. So if someone is good at something that kind of like makes them uncomfortable in this weird way, they just retreat back to this thing, and the phone just like enables that behavior. So. Mm father would know exactly what i'm talking about and he'd be able to be like yeah but it's because of this and to quote saint Sophroni. and then there's this part from the bible <laughs> and then he'd just kind of go on and on and on and he'd be able to like and for the next 20 minutes he'd kind of unpack that but really at the end of the day you got me and that's how i see it it's just like we now have this thing between us at all times mm-hmm. and it's ego and it's the device that feeds the ego which is the phone and it's the lack of caring about other people genuinely in a Christ-like manner and not just saying I care so I get the Instagram likes or whatever. Sure. Genuinely caring. And it's so difficult. And But that's the thing about gold is it's precious. So when you find a person who's able to be like that, be present and be good and be cool, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, this guy. Okay, awesome. Or girl, you know, because I found him in both. So. That's great. Yeah. Closing thoughts. What about you, Perpin? I don't know. I was <laughs> I was listening to you talk about conversations, and that was one thing I've been thinking about is when I was young, uh, younger, uh, people would ask questions that they knew the answer to. Like, you know, so how, how do you start the fire in your fireplace, right? I was like, mm-hmm. this is so stupid, you know, because – you know the answer because you've just watched them make a fire, right? And they have that conversation. Or when the farmers were sitting at the cafe, right, drinking coffee, discussing how much rain they got at their place and comparing, well, at 
this road, they got 10 more inches over here than that in the last month. And you're like, this conversation is so stupid. It's uninteresting. But I find myself looking for those conversations because that is where it really is. Because when you have the patience to sit there and listen to somebody talk about Monday, we got a quarter inch of rain and no rain on Tuesday, but I saw that it rained for you 20 miles away. Right. And that when you sit through that, it makes sitting through the other conversations important, but it also is that constant icebreaker question that eventually rolls into the deep thing. Right. Because (laughs) It didn't rain Wednesday, so I took the kids down to the creek and we did this thing, right? And then you end up in this story. But without the weather conversation, you're never pulled in. And we need to learn to do that. It's a thing of beauty. And it made, when I was younger, it would make me want to claw my eyes out. Then I'm like, how <laughs> yes. are you talking about this? Right. But as I've gotten older, I've realized each little thing has to dial back my like life and now like my house and my yard are my life that's what i've been Mm -hmm. given to take care of i'm not going to be given much more than that so that's what i talk about and it's beautiful it's just i just find myself just realizing more and more i said to my wife the other day because my dad was very much like what you were just talking about for pen is like oh yeah i just i remember that creek you know like when that used to didn't that used to run a little bit more to the south? Yeah, now it's kind of going to the southeast a little bit. It's like any like normal person would be like, "What are you talking? Talk- Why does this <laughs> matter?" Right. But it's like, no, it does matter because it's in like these subtle things that you find amazing things. The last thing I'll say, no, it's not going to be the last, but you guys know the story about George Washington Carver. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So about okay, so he's like. God revealed to me the secrets of the universe. God said, you can't handle it. Like, God, please reveal to me the secrets of America. You can't handle it. Okay. Uh, How about God reveal the secrets of, you know, um, of me? You know, you can't handle that. Uh, God revealed to me the secrets of agriculture. You can't handle that. Okay, God, what can I handle? How about this peanut? And look at all the things he got from the peanut. Like, Uh he just found this little minuscule thing about life and hyper focused on it and like god like look what he did with it Mm -hmm. if we all just found that like little not in a selfish way and just like a really godly way just found that little thing and just focused on it like yeah instead of thinking we need to like overthrow the capitalist government and establish like a communist paradise or something whatever people are thinking is trendy (laughs) and cool now so yeah yeah and it, it, it's it's in little things where we actually see ourselves most right you, you talked about him asking to see himself or understand himself right and it's that's a mess that i don't want to do but i do want to do but i don't want to do I and i fight with it but then you're like reading winnie the pooh because you've read Theos for three days straight and you're like i just need something small right yeah and so you're reading winnie the pooh and you're like oh wow, Eeyore has some complexes here. So does Piglet. Oh my, yeah, Yeah, I do that. I shouldn't do that. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. That ties into what Abidorotheos was saying. And I was like, 
monastery and they said yeah you have to read books like that you're like wait a minute monks are telling me that i need to read books like (laughs) winnie the pooh this is just but it is you can't stay in that high level hey you said that was actually a required book to read that pop-up book the story of the fox right everyone's going to be a monk there or yeah that's required reading yeah and how many people How many people that are there go, oh, this, this is, why am I doing this? You know, it's about like, go chop some wood. (laughs) Yeah. Those are the people that you hear, that you hear later on that said, yeah, I was, I went to the monastery. I didn't last two weeks. (laughs) Everyone's expecting something grand and something big. I've never been to a monastery. Mm -hmm. I like not for any length of time, so I can't speak, but I, most people that come into the faith are looking, including me, are looking for something that's going to make life less boring. Right. And it does and it doesn't. It just gives meaning to it being boring. It's not being boring for boring's sake anymore. It's boring because, you know, like you won't be bored in the next life. Mm-hmm. So just know what being bored is like and be grateful that that this is not for forever. And that eventually things will get different. And uh, and then when things get different and actually things can get hairy, you'll miss the boring stuff. Like, you know, if a crisis emerges and suddenly you're, look- you're looking for the boring again. You spend so much time of your life complaining. Then something big happens, car crash, part of your house gets lit on fire. You know, maybe your wife has like gets sick or something like suddenly you're like, oh, I want to get back to that boring life again. God's like, hmm, not so bad now, huh? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And check out Thriver News. It's thriving community news without the noise. It's where Purpin and I have more long form articles about different topics, including homesteading, intentional living. For example, some of the things we've had here is how to make comfrey salve or balm on the fly, Uh, the challenge of being present, basically musings from around the fire pit, teaching kids that failure is an option, a food forest walkthrough of year three, what worked and what didn't. So check it out at thriver.news. Thank you for listening to Thriving the Future podcast. Like us and follow us on your favorite podcast app. So lately on Thriving the Future, we've been talking about things that you may not hear on other podcasts. So if you like what you hear, then shoot us a tip on Cash App at Dollar Thriving the Future at Venmo at Thriving the Future, or join our Patreon at Patreon com slash thriving the future you can get early episodes you can get extra episodes with with perpend some of the examples are last year we did a a tour of watkins mill and you can really hear the difference of where perpend's mindset shifts to wanting to go to an intentional community in kansas city and then also to the monastery in addition to that got the extra episode with cyprian whole 25 minutes where he talks about crypto he talks about risk to your wallet and also what is a cargo cult that's on the thriving patreon patreon.com thrive in the future 
next time on Thrive in the Future Podcast. Next time on Thrive in the Future Podcast, William Horvath from permacultureapprentice.com will join me and we'll talk about permaculture type 1 errors. That's next time on Thrive in the Future.